Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. We're going to get some business out of the way first, and then we're going to introduce our guest. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. I want to tell you all about the Sunbury Motor Company, and particularly the F-150 that they gave me to drive around. It's more of an F-250, but it only says 150, but it's got a full trailer package on it. It knows what to do when you back up a trailer, or it could just go into trailer mode and back up the trailer for you. It is capable of hauling about a half a ton of stuff in the back, so uh, my two kayaks probably shouldn't tax it too much, but it's an opportunity for you to haul whatever you need to or tow whatever you need to. This is the kind of truck that's going out to contractors. Why get a 250 if you only need a 150 and it's uh, souped up and ready to go? Less than $50,000, I might add. So this is, these are affordable vehicles from the Sunbury Motor Company. This particular one is... I probably should have looked this up before I start. <laughs> Some sort of a gray shade here. And Dr. Keegan is with us. It, it's not It's not just gray. They have another name for it. It's called hot gray or something. It has red metal flakes in it or something. But anyway, it is a great-looking truck, and it's got a big motor in it. It's got a V8, so you're, you know, your gasoline mileage is going to be above 20 on the highway, but not way into the 20s. And on the city, it's going to be about 15 miles per gallon or so. And so that's where you can expect to be on that. But it's an F-150. But it's really an F-250, and that's the Sunbury Motor Company. And they would just love uh, for you to do business with them and to learn more about all the vehicles they have available at the Sunbury Motor Company. Well, that was quite a spiel. Thank you. I did that myself. I know, I, and I listened to every word you said. Not. No, not. <laughs> yeah. Joe McGranahan is here, my good uh, co-host and the man who says I'm wrong in so many different ways. And we're glad to say that we have a great guest here. Dr. Kathy Keegan is back. It's probably been, uh, well, five years or so since uh, we last interviewed interviewed you. The last time we interviewed you, Dr. Singer was cycling good experts through our studio to make sure that we were current on education topics. You remember that series? I do remember that. Yeah, he was uh, he was a good egg bringing, bringing himself and other folks up to our studios. So that was about five years ago or so. Uh, but uh, Dr. Kathy Keegan, Superintendent, Milton Area School District. We're going to talk about her time in Milton, the check it out day that we got to attend, and the budget realities and dealing with COVID and these kind of things. And and uh, I, she's just done a super job at Milton by all accounts. Anybody who follows closely what's going on at Milton Area School District has seen growth and construction and staff development and student involvement. And uh, really, the school district has just made them the, the most. Uh, what did they say? You get 10 pounds out of a five-pound bag. But really, I mean, it's really, you, you got 10 pounds out of uh, 10 pounds. You just really did a super job. And you got Do you have any pe- idea what he's talking about? I she, do. She does. She knows. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it wasn't happenstance. It didn't happen just by coincidence. Okay. Had a super school board as well. And you got your PhD along the way. Now you're Dr. Keegan. I actually did. I am. I received my EDD mark from Immaculata University, and I am now Dr. Keegan. 
All right. Well, facts, fabulous. Good for you. And I, I think, and, but uh, you are leaving the Milton Area School District to retire? I am leaving the Milton Area School District to retire. Um, I have since joining the team at Milton, I have grandchildren and I have married children and they now would like to spend some time with their mom and their nana and my husband would like to have some time to travel with me while we can still go. So this young lady is going to bring in a nana to take care of these kids? I am going to be the nana nana. to take care of the kids, yes. Well, Joe's favorite name is Papa at the dinner table from his grandkids, so I think we're on the same zone there. Well, let's let's start with what we most talked about lately, and that was the CTE program, which was an opportunity to train kids in different careers, career training, and the Check It Out Day. Let's review those real quick. We got to attend them, so we saw firsthand that you're really just making sure that these kids come through there with a glimpse at future careers. We, um, we've done a lot of work in career and technical education in Milton in the last seven or eight years under Mr. Andrew Rance's leadership as the principal of Career and Tech Ed. We're fortunate we have highly qualified staff. You know, we now have an, our own FFA chapter in our agricultural program. Last night I attended for the first time the National Technical Honor Society. So we had 36 students that are a part of our career and technical education programs that qualified for the National Technical Honor Society status. Um, you know, if, if you watch our performance, our students do extremely well in that NOCTI exam. Many of jobs before they graduate from high school because of the high level of proficiency that they're attaining while participating in one of our eight programs. And Check It Out Day. Tell our audience what that whole day was about. Check It Out Day in February. It's Career and Technical Education Awareness Month. And so we open up our schools and invite people to come in and see what's exactly happening in our career and technical education programs. You get to see students working in lab experiences or teachers instructing um, having the opportunity to select which programs you'd like to go in and see and visit. And it has really grown. I know that we have a very strong occupational advisory committee that's comprised of business people. um, And they also are very participatory in Check It Out Day. Um, Everybody loves to see what's happening in our schools. And this is a great chance to be able to do that. Well, you have a unique perspective now that you're retiring. You can look back over your career, how has education changed? The things that you used to be concerned about, how do they stack up to what you're concerned about now? Where do you see it going in the years ahead? Well, you know, I know that one of the areas that you promoted that was worth talking about was the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic. And, you know, it was exciting to be able to come and see both of you today face to face. No mask. No, 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 no with mask. no mask. We had a shield um, in here. Yeah, within a few feet of each other. <laughs> conversation changed, right? But I think, you know, five years ago, we were not facing the amount of mental health that schools are facing right now. The the pandemic really um, impacted that social and emotional component of our 
our students and our staff. So that's relatively new. You know, it's intriguing to me to see what will come out in the research in a few more years once we've seen the longitudinal effects of us being remote and virtual and no athletics and, you know, having opportunities for extracurricular activities like dances. So that's been one of our our biggest challenges that I could have never imagined five years ago. Some students said they enjoyed the pandemic. They got to spend more time with their parents and they liked remote learning. We we do have data that indicates there are cohorts of children that really did thrive in a virtual learning environment and they will talk about that. They like the opportunity to have more of that self-directed learning. You know, they controlled or drove how many times they're able to go back and remaster content or reteach themselves content. That's true, Mark. That is very true. But on the other hand, and I'll use my grandson, hopefully he'll forgive me if he's listening, but he shouldn't be. He should be in school. He uh, was pretty much a straight-A student uh, going into the pandemic, and then that year of remote learning, he struggled. I mean, he really struggled. His grades at one point, he was actually having difficulty in four particular subjects. Now, this year he's back in school and he's doing great again. You know, so what what kind, what does that do to a kid? You can't replace that face-to-face instruction, can you? Nope. A lot has to do with relationships with teachers in the classroom, that ability to have a peer next to you, um, you know, having lunch together and going and having gym. It really means a lot to students. We had to address that learning loss. All the schools in the Commonwealth are addressing learning loss, you know, offering before and after school programs, lunch and learns to help offset that academic impact that occurred during the pandemic. What about masking at your schools in your school system? Are you doing it, requiring it, or is it voluntary? Or? We are masking optional. We do have students and staff that continue to mask. Um, there's a variety of reasons from being still fearful of COVID to perhaps having an, an immunocompromised family member. Um, many have elderly grandparents that they like to visit. They're more comfortable coming in masked. They feel like it's a very minor um, inconvenience for them, so they mask. We had the high school students from Lewisburg here today who were in the musical came here, masks, shields, uh, not PPE, but they really wanted to make sure that they didn't have any contact with anyone else because they have to stay well this week, no matter oh, what. I could certainly appreciate that. Um, they don't want to lose that opportunity. Right. Well, and they're protecting their voices. I guess this would hurt their voice as well. Okay, so the, the pandemic, you, you uh, teach in a rural area. How did you end up solving this issue of high-speed Internet, uh, you know, out in the middle of, uh, you know, the Anthony Townships of the world? We, um, you know, that's a great question for Milton because I felt that we were positioned well when the pandemic struck with the work that we had done prior with digital, a vision for digital learning. Our biggest challenge was the hotspots. And I think, Mark, you and I may have talked about that. Right. It's all coming back. The more you discuss it, the more we talked about this we two did. years ago. We had great community partners that, that came forward to work with us, like Service Electric, United Way under Joanne 
Brian Troutman's leadership was instrumental in helping school districts secure monies to be able to purchase hotspots. They had donations from various businesses. We worked collaboratively with our tech department to say, okay, we've got to think outside the box here. What do our families need? It was a real strain on the internet across the Commonwealth, probably the nation, because not only was there two or three children at home learning, but there were also parents that were working virtually. And we had to figure out a way that we could measure out the internet that was accessible through those hotspots. Well, and you had AT&T and Verizon around here saying, hook them up, we'll sort it out later. Correct. And just giving you this green light everywhere you turn. Correct. It was wonderful to see people come together under such a strenuous and straining time. But that's still one of the major concerns, lack of uh, high-speed Internet in rural right. areas it's here in Pennsylvania. Solved. It was bridged, I guess, for lack of a better term in our area. It was bridged. CSIU 16 is instrumental in um, leading us to start identifying areas that need uh, Internet accessibility. One of the challenges we have is our geography. Those mountains are not helping us. <laughs> and so there are just some problems that will remain unsolved until our technology becomes a little bit more aggressive. What about the uh, actual facilities for young people? Do you provide them or, uh, you know, I know in uh, Salem's Grove School District gives kids tablets. Is that what you guys do We too? do do that. We are a one-to-one -one school district. Every student that comes to Milton does receive a device. We consider that like a textbook these days. And then as families come forward and say we need internet accessibility, we also provide um, hotspots. Do you use textbooks anymore? <laughs> <laughs> there are some courses that still use textbooks, but e-texts have really become popular. They're much more affordable. You know, we pay $6 a year for an e-text versus $250 for a biology textbook. So when you look at the cost and the efficiency and where kids are with their learning, it just makes sense to make that change. Let's talk a minute about, uh, about what it is parents or what kids are learning to you know, there's been a lot of debate around the country about subject matter, and you and I talked before the start of the program about the way history is taught, uh, and I'm happy to say that you told me you, you teach history in the Milton School District, which some school districts don't. They lump it under social studies, but I'm glad to hear you have history courses. What, what, what has changed in the way we teach people, and who makes the decision about the subject matter? Do you just buy a textbook? I know they used to say Texas had a huge influence on what was taught because they bought so many textbooks. Texas in California at one point were the leaders in, in textbooks for the nation. That's correct. When we are looking at changing any kind of text, we go through a text audit process. And so that involves the teachers who teach that content, like our social studies teachers. It would involve the principal, the director of education. And they use a rubric to say, okay, here's what we're looking at prior to um, bringing a textbook before the board of directors for a approval. Ultimately, a board of directors does approve the curriculum and the text that is taught in a school district. The recommendations come from the practitioner to say, here's what we believe this course should include, and then the discussion will ensue at a board level. Does the board actually read the book? The, the textbooks are brought forward. There is an opportunity for them to review the textbooks. 
Yes. But basically, they get like a Cliff's Notes version of this is what's in the book and this is what we'll be teaching. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, you can open in, open up a textbook and see the chapters that are identified, so they'll have a pretty good sense of what's what is connected in that text. All right. We're going to talk about, we're going to keep talking about that. Stand by one second. Joe's ready to go. We're on <laughs> textbooks and, and uh, parental involvement and uh, kids and history. So these are Joe's favorite subjects as it relates to education. Dr. Kathy Keegan is here, Superintendent Milton Area School District. And uh, your last day would be what, uh, in September? Not September 13th, okay. 2022. And a superintendent search is underway now? Superintendent search okay. is underway. We're very excited for my success. I think that the opportunity to continue the great work is present. Um, we've done wonderful things in the school district the last 12 years, of which I'm very proud of. And I know many of our administration staff and students have benefited from it. All right. Well, to be continued, we're going to keep talking about that. If our listeners have an observation, a call, and a comment, uh, or a text, you can send your comments to on the market WKOK.com, or uh, you can uh, email us. That would be email on the market at WKOK.com. Text us at 70236 and include the keyword OTM or you can call us 1-800-795-9565. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake. A service technician who really knows what he's doing, they can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full, new, and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We're stirring the pot here, so <laughs> might as well launch right into it. This idea that uh, in our nation we're examining what we're teaching kids as it relates to history and race and uh, slavery. We don't want kids to feel bad. Uh, somehow critical race theory entered that, or a graduate-level college-oriented thing. So uh, you're examining, you're probably being asked to examine this at Milton, or certainly your successor will. Uh, your response to that, what, what has to happen to triple-check that... Uh, the way you're teaching it is satis you know is acceptable so fortunately uh, at this point in time we have not discussed critical race theory and it sounds mark to me like you've already done your homework in understanding that critical race theory really is a college course it has not found its way into any kind of K through 12 public education curriculum. Um, it started in, I believe, the late 70s in law courses, and it has never immersed itself into 
public education, at least not that I'm aware of, and certainly not in Milton Area School District. We um, we look at ourselves as a school district that tries to provide the equal opportunity for all students, regardless of race, disability, poverty level, home situation. Um, and I think, you know, when you talk about the word equity, which Joe and I were just discussing, it's become such a provocative word. Um, it really morphs into quite lively conversations depending on who you're talking to. And when we talk about equity in Milton, we're talking about things like mental health. What do students need to be able to be successful? We're talking about poverty and food insecure. If Sharon Adamai was with you, she'd talk to you about panther packs and she'd talk about the panther pantry and food banks and making sure that every child has the same equal opportunity to access food while they're in school or at home. You were feeding kids in the summer before it was hip, I might add. We so were feeding kids, yes. I mean, I saw Mrs. Adamai yesterday. We've been very lucky to have Mrs. Ashley Reese with us, who has replaced Mrs. Adamai in her retirement. But Sharon really brought food insecurity to the forefront in Milton Area School District. We have in some buildings 63% free and reduced lunches. So we want to make sure that every child has access. But are we putting so much more pressure onto educators today than we ever did before? We expect you to feed our kids. We expect you to teach them morals in some cases. We expect you to educate them. We expect you so we expect so many things. Uh, yeah, and I, I know from, from my wife's involvement in the educational system, the teachers spend so much time doing paperwork, huge amounts of paperwork, you know, and, and so much of their own time is tied up in it. You know, how much more can we ask of you folks? Well, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a leadership retreat at Bloomsburg University, and uh, we had a conversation as a leadership team about what public education is, and we decided that we've accepted the responsibility of being the go-to. We are the go-to. We are the go-to for social services. We've changed the way that we staff ourselves. Um, we have social workers, home and school visitors, our school resource Internet officers. Pardon me? Internet connectivity. Internet connectivity, um, food insecurity, any kind of service that our families need, we are here to help. And you're mandatory reporters. We are mandatory <laughs> reporters, thank you. We just got our newest document <laughs> for um, mandates across the Commonwealth. The IU presents it annually, and it's overwhelming when you see what we are required to do. We have to learn about EpiPens and bloodborne pathogens, you know, the List goes on and on, but that's a part of our job, you know. And and educators and administrators will tell you we don't have jobs. We're called, and we believe that we're here to serve. And so to become a go-to organization for us is not so foreign. I I don't want to take us back to the pandemic, but I will. I will tell you that there were days where we found people knocking on our doors. They didn't have children in our system or their children had graduated from the Milton Area School District and were asking for help. We opened our doors and we said, what can we do to help you? Yeah, get you online or get you some food or whatever it happens to be. Well, yeah, the Panther program, uh, I've been at this for 25 years, and that, that, we, that was one of the first stories we did was who's feeding who at the pools was initially the place. Correct, with the YMCA, strong community partnership with our YMCA and Bonnie McDowell and her team. 
it it really does help offset need in the community. All right, we're just about out of time. I will note that you worked, Milton, through a mold outbreak that affected the whole central Pennsylvania area when we had about eight inches of rain uh, over two months, which is extremely more so. Congratulations on getting everybody through that, including replacing all the textbooks in one library, right? Yes, we did. We um, had to redo the Bacher Library um, under... Um, our library media specialist, Carrie Killian, she worked with a provider who gave us our books. Yes. You're going to miss some names here today, and you're going to be in the doghouse yeah. when we'll you give get you, back. We'll give you a choice between making a final statement telling us anything that we didn't ask you that you would like to tell us, or you can answer this question, what should the role of parents be in determining what is taught in our schools? Take your choice. <laughs> well, we have two minutes, so one okay. of each anyway. <laughs> Role of parents. Let's do that first. Okay. So we did have that conversation, Joe. I know, and I'd like, I think the audience should hear what you had to say. Uh, uh, okay. I, I do think that schools should welcome parent input. I believe that parents have a role in conversing about curriculum, a role in talking about program offerings, and that often that was not the case in the last several years. That's changed. Parents are asking for more of a voice. I think that we need to honor and respect the voices that we're hearing. We may not always agree, right? right. Um, but I do think that there should be an opportunity for parents to have what they need to say in a very respectful and kind manner with an open heart and listening ears because there's it's always a two-way conversation and what else would you like to tell us today have an open mic here <laughs> i guess you know it's been my honor and privilege to lead the miltonary school district the last 12 years we've done great work with the support of our board of directors our administration our staff um, our students, we've really tried our best to empower and grow the school district. I feel good about what will be handed to my successor. I'm very proud of the work that we've accomplished from our athletic complex to the work that'll begin at Bakker, uh, the amazing programs we've grown in career technical education, in K through 12 education, the offerings our students now have access to. It's been a great opportunity for me as a school leader. And she hit that right on the post. Yeah, you couldn't have done that better. You're, you're a radio veteran, too. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. We will check in again before you thank exit. Thank you. And, uh, we My pleasure. It. And I hope the, the next superintendent, even if they're half as uh, uh, prof proficient as you, is still going to be superlative. So thank you for that, Dr. Kathy Keegan. Superintendent Milton Area School District will be back on On the Mark. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, 
Mark Lawrence, and Joe McGranahan. <laughs> Greetings, welcome. Joe is wrong. Let's I may be wrong. That right. no, 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 is wrong. That's oh, it. now I now you caught me making an admission I wouldn't want to normally make. <laughs> well, you're speculating about artwork. This is not your favorite topic. No, anyway. it's not. All right, welcome on board, everybody. It's the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Rob Satter is our fabulous producer, doing a fantastic job. He would just love to answer the phones, so light them up. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. Uh, we had Kathy Keegan here, uh, the uh, now a, a doctorate of education. Uh, Kathy Keegan, Dr. Kathy Keegan from the Milton Area School District. Maybe you have an observation about some of the uh, topics we discussed. We didn't really get into some other topics that really need to be talked about. Unsustainable budget realities that we've uh, discussed on this show and, uh, and I guess some other important topics too we can discuss and so we will definitely bring her back in the months ahead and invite her back to come on our show uh, we can talk about the big issues of the day the president has the state of the union address tonight so he's going to accentuate the positive <laughs> It's going to be about seven minutes long. You got to accentuate the positive, right? Well, you know, he can talk about what he wants to do, and don't mess with Mister In Between. All right. Uh, (laughs) On the market, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll free line open. Call us one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and you can text us at seven zero two three six. But be sure to include the keywords OTM at the start of your message. In the news today, U.S. Congressman Fred Keller says he won't run for re-election in the 9th District and says he won't run against any other Republican for that matter. In a statement Monday, Congressman Keller said he won't run against uh, U.S. Congressman Dan Muser in the 9th District. He did not say what his next move would be. He issued a brief statement saying, quote, with control of Congress and the direction of our nation at stake, this election is bigger than any one person rather than pit Republicans against Republicans, which is the congressional map chosen by the liberal Pennsylvania Supreme court does, I'm committed to helping take back the House, unquote. So that statement from Congressman Keller, of course, we uh, asked for, and he'll ignore our request for comment. We do have calls into G.T. Thompson and Congressman Muser asking for their reaction as well. As of Monday, Keller said he reconsidered and won't run in either district. You remember, he was moved into, through districting, redistricting into the sprawling 15th district, which goes all the way to Erie. That's G.T. Thompson territory. Territory, and Keller did not uh, wish to run against him. Instead, uh, said he was better suited to run in the 9th District, currently occupied uh, by Congressman Dan Muser, and, uh, but as you heard, later rethought Don't that. Don't you think he would have been better off if he had made that decision early on instead of announcing that he was going to run against Dan Muser? Well, I think what happened was he heard from Washington and a lot of supporters of Dan Muser saying, look... Uh, and money, know, trying to raise money. Right, Dan might be uh, great in some ways and maybe imperfect in some ways, but we're not going to support two congressional candidates, and so did the Republicans in Washington. There's just one congressman that they support uh, trying to get to keep things Republican. Uh, Salvation Army had a big news conference yesterday to talk about the Here for Good campaign. They just fell a few thousand dollars short of their ambitious $150,000 goal, but Major Tammy Hench of the Sunbury Shemokin Salvation Army says they still helped thousands of people. They were so thankful, very appreciative, and that it would be very helpful to them so that they could take care of something else and that not worry so much about Christmas. 
The Here for Good campaign, sponsored by Sunberg Broadcasting, Daily Adam and Mifflinburg Bank and Trust, did raise $146,000 in funding from the Degenstein Foundation and many generous donors in the central Susquehanna Valley. Ashes to Go will be held tomorrow at the Commons in Sealands Grove, 9 to 5 a.m. It's an opportunity, or well, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., for folks to walk up and receive a smudge of ashes on their forehead or a hand. They're also going to be given a piece of paper to nail to the cross with brief answers to their question, what weighs on you, what holds you back, and with what do you struggle? That's tomorrow in Sealands uh, Grove. A group suing over Pennsylvania's new map of congressional district asked the U.S. Supreme Court Monday to reconsider whether they're entitled to an emergency order to halt the plan. The petition came three days after a judge in Harrisburg denied their request for temporary. You wondered what the talks are about when it comes to recreational marijuana. The Center Square found out and said the proposed legislation that's being talked about uh, would bring in $250 million in tax revenue every month. That's about $3 billion annually through recreational marijuana. But of course, it brings a wide range of issues associated with that. And finally, it will be a smaller gathering inside the Capitol this year for the President's State of the Union address. With COVID restrictions in place, CBS's Scott McFarland says outside the complex is where you'll see one of the differences. It looks different here outside the Capitol this year. There are these seven-foot-high, tall, black temporary fences securing the perimeter of the campus, an extra security enhancement, and there are some COVID safety enhancements inside. Everybody in the chamber tonight has to take a COVID test. You'll see masks, but you will not see guests in the House chamber. All right, and those are the latest news and headlines, so we invite you to go to WKOK.com for more headlines. All right, let's open up the phones. 1-800-795-9565 is our opportunity for you to contact us. You can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com, and you can text us at 70236. Be sure to include the keyword OTM in your text. We'll take our first two callers in the order in which they arrove which puts Stan at the top of the line. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Good morning. Uh, I got a question. With everything that's going on in the world today, what good is the U.N.? (laughs) Well, I don't think they're able to stop this, particularly since Russia has a veto, right? And the Security Council. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, they're running the Security Council right now. That's right. right. They're in charge. Yeah, but Oh, no, wait. Didn't that change at the beginning of this month? That changes at the oh yes it did in March it's uh, some uh, other okay. another country Who's it now, now China no it's another uh, I think a third world country right now if my memory serves me and then we're next month the U S oh, is next okay. month another, yeah another dictatorship to the, in charge again okay. Well, I, that wouldn't surprise me if it is. I, I don't know who it is, but uh, I'm just asking. You know, I'm sure there's smart people here that know what good they are, you know, considering that they did nothing to stop what's going on in this in, in, over there in Europe right now. Uh, you know, isn't that why they were formed, to prevent things like that after World War II? Well, you could make that Batteries? argument. Yes, you could make that argument. Well, police are supposed to stop burglaries, but guess what? Crime still happens. <laughs> right. Good guys like you are supposed to prevent gun laws from being violated, but yet it happens. Oh, every day. But, you know, but we spend billions and billions of dollars on an organization that has never prevented anything that I can recall. They send their blue helmets into places to supposedly stop things, and then those blue helmets get themselves in trouble raping little girls and stuff, some of them. You know, so 
you know, what exactly are they worth? You know, why, why are we spending our dollars there? Uh, it's the United Arab Emirates in charge of the Security Council this month. Thank you. Are you pretty informed on the U.N.? Stan? Nah, nah, because I, I find everything everything you see about them, they're never doing anything except making, you know, big uh, big statements and, uh, you know, putting sending out, you know, uh, notices that, you know, you got to stop this stuff. And I, I seen something online on their website. Well, it was their Instagram thing that, uh, you know, human rights are basics and they can't be taken by dictators, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. And when is the U.N. going to stop the dictators from taking people's human rights? They haven't that I know of. But they're only as good as the nation's desire, uh, who are members, to do something about it. And uh, <laughs> exactly. I know they're talking They're talking about trying to find some way to take uh, Russia's veto off the Security Council, but that's part of the U.N. Charter. They're not going to be able to do that unless every nation in the world agrees, and that's a dangerous slope, just like packing the Supreme Court. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I just find it to be totally useless because they, they, they don't do anything to stop the things that they're supposed to be stopping. You know, I don't know. They don't necessarily. Maybe they could have set, set some blue helmets into Ukraine on the border across from Russia, and that would have, you know, stopped it. I don't know. But they didn't because the Russians have a veto on that. Everything that happens in there, Russia can veto, just like China can veto, and we can. You know, that's the way it's set up. Well, you're right. And, and so generally nothing gets done except we spend a lot of money there. They have big, lavish parties, and they put out some sternly worded emails. <laughs> That's Other all than they that, do. we don't see anything. That, you don't see anything. I know for a fact they do a lot more than that, but you don't see it. You primarily stick with what, your sources what, what of good information. What have they information. done, Mark? Oh, I don't know, but I'm not sitting here on the radio saying they do nothing when I know absolutely nothing about them. <laughs> but you're there to say you readily admit you know absolutely nothing about them. But at the same time, you oh, say, no, well, what, since what, they I do nothing, you know, know that, that they don't do anything. So they're doing it's, nothing. It's pretty obvious so, to that's me. Why, that's why I asked the question. There's some smart people. Listen here. Please call in and tell us what they do that's worthwhile. Now, aren't, isn't, isn't the World Health Organization under the U.N. auspices? Help maintain peace and security yes, wherever possible. They have 69 peacekeeping uh, and observer right. missions underway right now. Consolidating right. peace, preventing nuclear proliferation, clearing landmines, supporting disarmament, combating terrorism, preventing genocide, combating sexual violence, promoting development, uh, alleviating rural poverty, focusing on African development. And you're here to tell us that in your highly uninformed opinion, they don't do <laughs> any of these, uh, but and, they do and rape. all those lofty goals. How many does actually get accomplished? That's what I'm asking. That's what I said. All the the smart people that listen here, please call in and tell us what they have actually accomplished. Promoting economic reform, supporting supporting, (laughs) civil aviation, improving shipping, (laughs) generating (laughs) world... What are you reading from, Mark? You're not hearing me. (laughs) I said, I don't know. That's why I want all the smart people to call in and tell us. Because from what I see... (laughs) <laughs> They're doing very little. All right, we got you. The less you know, the better. That's the important thing, Stan. Oh, brother, you're, oh, you're being oh, mean okay. today. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if you call in and say, I know absolutely nothing about this organization, well, I think what his but point, I think they do nothing. I don't want to speak for in Stan, what way but I, I, I think that his point is that from all the coverage and everything he's seen, he can't determine what it is they do that's beneficial Joe, from his perspective. Joe, I know absolutely nothing about Shemokin Dam Borough Council, but I know for a fact they do absolutely nothing. They don't help anyone. 
one, they don't do anything. Now, I don't know anything about them, but I know that they're bad. <laughs> well, that's not what Stan said. I think that's what no, I heard. No, that's not what Stan I said. I think that's what I heard. All right, Bonnie, thank you so much for waiting a short time. You are on the mark. You know, it's a shame that Congressman Keller isn't going to run because he was one that truly was good for PA. And another note, I listened to you at 8 o'clock on the news this morning, Mark. This is an opinion show. The news is not your opinion. And you continue to put Fred down because he won't come on your show. All I said was that, that all I said was that Fred does not contact us. In what yeah, way is that an opinion? No, no, you know no, what? that's a fact. The news is Bonnie. One thing. This shows another. Bonnie, 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 Bonnie. Hold on a second. We call and email Fred Keller and he doesn't call or email us back. That's not an opinion. That is a statement, a verifiable, true, empirically, electronically, uh, provable fact. All right, so go now, ahead, Bonnie. you post up, you get his op-eds and his press releases, because I've seen them on your site. Well, the news department does that. I don't personally do that, but the news department still covers him. I mean, he's still a congressman. Yeah, just because he doesn't come on your show because you don't tell the truth half the time when you print stuff, and I've called you out on it a couple times, you, you try to degrade him, and that's not right. I can see it on your show because it's an opinion show, but the news is not opinion, and you need to stop it. Well, uh, I, uh, let me jump in here a minute. Uh, from my perspective, the news department here covers the news of Fred Keller completely and as thoroughly as he allows us to cover it. When, he sends, a, when he sends us a news release, we air it. And we air it completely, and we air it fairly, as we would for Congressman Muser or anyone else who was elected uh, around this area. We have we give them an open mic. We've told Congressman Keller he has an open mic here any time. I have never, in all the years I've worked with Mark, heard him mistreat or belittle a guest on this program. Right. It, it, I'm not saying that he doesn't contact us in a disparaging way, but exactly. he issued a statement saying that he's not running, so we asked for his comment. He doesn't talk to us, so that's fine. That's his prerogative. You know, all the other elected leaders around here do. If we want to know what's cooking in Washington, we have a wide range of people. And now uh, Congressman Thompson's going to be right in our backyard. And, of course, Dan Muser's been on the show many times. And back in the day, uh, Congressman Keller and Representative Keller would come here. But th it's, it's not a disparaging remark to say that he won't contact us. It's just his nature. I mean, he's, you know, he's mad at us or whatever. And he's this is the way adults settle things is they don't speak to each other. And so that's the way he's settling it. That's all. And it's not a disparaging remark. I'm not saying he's childish or a buffoon or a liar or anything. I just say that we count those for President Trump. Well, I have said them about other people, but verifiably true again in those points, too. Okay. But in any way, Bonnie, honestly, we just state the facts that he's not talking to us. That's all. It, it isn't a, a character failing not to speak to other adults. But why do you have to bring that up on the news? Uh, because I can see he's, your show, but not on the news. Well, because he issued a statement and he's not elaborating on it. That's all. It, you, it, we'll take it out of the news. It, it really is a most immaterial do you, sense. Let me ask you a question, Mark. Do you put on your newscast that you have put false stuff on your website about Fred? I don't know what we put up that's false. A picture. You said all Republicans, and you had a picture of Fred Keller, and it wasn't Fred Keller. Oh, that, yeah. That, Remember two years ago, we posted a picture. Yes, there was a Democrat in the picture. Yeah. yeah, we pulled that down the day you told us to. Thank no, you. No, you didn't. You didn't pull down to the third time I called. Oh, gosh. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I watched, Mark. You, did you hit refresh? You guys have a good day. 
All right. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for calling. Yes, All right. 1-800-795-9565. Uh, Bonnie is uh, in a great cohort of people who say that uh, we've treated Congressman Keller unfairly and that we've lied about him and is completely and totally untrue. Our coverage is purely objective. Comes from the newsroom, not from me. And he is welcome to call here anytime. Now, he's not talking to us, so... Um, but that's his prerogative, you know. That's the way adults settle things. Like if you're on borough council in Shemokin Dam and... The, the group person, you know nothing about, but you're right. sure is bad. But I'm asking. I want to learn more. <laughs> so I'm asking. So the the uh, council member next to you, and you're the mayor, of course, but the councilman next to you says, uh, did we plow snow last weekend? You just turn your shoulders. You don't well, talk to them, right? Well, no. I, th- I think the what, what strikes me is that, you know, you when you ask for a comment... Normally, the congressman or the person in the news will call you and give you a statement, basically maybe just repeating what it is that they said in their news release, or they might answer a question that you might put to them to gain some additional insight into why they made the decision they made or why they're talking about what they're talking about. If someone declines to do that, I don't think it's unfair to mention that you did reach out to them. You know, we had other questions, and they did not respond to us. That's not making fun of them or belittling them. As you say, it's just stating the fact. All right, 1-800-795-9565. More comments about this. Congressman Keller announced in a statement yesterday, but we saw it on Twitter. He didn't send it to our newsroom, but it's a campaign announcement, so I, you know, his office probably wouldn't uh, be the one sending that out, but uh, saying that he wouldn't run against Dan Muser. So what's your view on that? Uh, Bonnie says we're treating him unfairly. What's your opinion? 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome on board, WKOK's live telephone talk show. Join us in queue, 1-800-795-9565. Eric, thank you so much for calling in. You are our next caller. Go right ahead. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. So, so Bonnie's upset, and I guess if you're a, a fan of Representative Keller, I don't call him Fred. I guess Bonnie knows him really well, calls him Fred. Um, you're upset that he's no longer going to have a seat, but uh, that's the way things work. I predicted that weeks ago when I heard they were districting. He's, he's the low man on the totem pole, uh, elected tenuously the first time. Let's remember it was a special election that got him in right after the general election and reelected, granted. Uh, but uh, he's been ducking you guys for years, even before uh, he was down in Washington. That's uh, because I think you guys put him on the hot seat and he didn't like it. Or, or your callers, uh, perhaps like myself, are willing to put him on the hot seat. Isn't it amazing that 
that Muser or, or uh, Senator Yall are willing to come on, answer questions, and there's no problem. And they both have kind of the same mindset as uh, as uh, Representative Keller. But that's not the reason I called. Well, I before you before you be, before you get off that topic, before you get off that topic, in fairness, in the past, when a when the state loses a seat and there is a retiring congressman, they generally try to map out that retiring congressman so that they don't put two incumbent congressmen running against each other. That's happened many times in the past in many states, but that did not happen this time. The Democrats were in control, and they had the power and the ability to make a map that runs two Republicans against one another. And I can understand Congressman Keller trying to maintain party unity by not seeking election under those circumstances. I agree with you, but that, that has nothing to do with why he refused to come on your show. I'm not even trying to say somehow you guys were, or insinuate, somehow you guys were part of this, this uh, conspiracy to get him out and you don't like him and all that other stuff, which is is baloney. I, I consider anyway, Fred. I consider Fred Keller a friend. I, I, he's, uh, we've been friends for years, and I, even though I don't talk to him as much as I used to, I still consider him a friend. And you, see, you have a lot of friends who aren't speaking to you. Well, he speaks to me. At least he did the last time when we talked. He uh, called me at home one uh, night. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> well, tell him to call the show. But I really wanted to call and talk about um, uh, Stan's perspective on the United Nations. Stan, the United Nations doesn't do anything. What is the United Nations? It is nations who are united, united against uh, problems of the world. Stan uh, never heard about UNICEF and all of the uh, all the good they've done to to fight hunger and provide opportunities for underdeveloped countries for their children to get better, to survive, uh, to have hope for the future. Uh, I mean, as a kid, I, I I was one of those kids going door to door collecting for UNICEF, right? And that money, United Nations uh, Children's Fund. You know, to help out kids. It's not just at a time of war. The United Nations, of course, wants to strive, and they do have peacekeepers in many countries where there is strife trying to maintain uh, in as peaceful environment as possible. And Stan, I will remind him also about the little thing called the Korean conflict. Uh, we call it the Korean War, but that was a United Nations response. Granted, the majority of those troops were United States troops, but there was a multinational force involved in that. Also, I believe in the uh, Iraq war, do, do we not have uh, our, our people from the United Nations in the Iraq war? Um, Desert Storm were also British troops and so forth. Yes, we did. So it's, it was the united response of the world against an aggressor, and that's what we have now. Well, we I have think... the, the ability to have the United Nations as a, a focal point, our way for the different nations of this of this world of ours to get together to stand as one against an aggressor, and that's what we're trying to do against Russia and Ukraine right now. Well, and I think in Stan's defense, what he was asking is what did the United Nations do to stop Putin from invading Ukraine, and obviously that was not possible. You know, they may have done something or participated or send, you know, the messages however they could, or they couldn't do a resolution, but whatever they could do, it obviously wasn't enough, and to that end, uh, you know, his he questions their overall value, which is his prerogative. Well, I think that was also, you know, wasn't that one of uh, former President Trump's uh, perspective that the United Nations, our money going in there was worthless and so forth? Mm-hmm. You know, so there seems to be a, pro, a pro-Trumpism pro coming forth again. All right. So, well, yeah, but, uh, remember, okay. Putin, Putin's there, there's good. There's no perspective that the United <laughs> Nations has done anything, has done great things, uh, continues to do so. And isn't it amazing that since the United Nations was 
with uh, formed, we have not had any more world wars. What's a, what is a... And the, and the failed League of Nations we had in the World War II, what, less than a generation after World War One. What is a pro-Trumpism? Just out of curiosity. Oh, that Putin is good and <laughs> invading is fine as well, long yeah, as you're getting more oil and I'm stuff out of it. Three minutes, Joe. Where should I start? <laughs> uh, it seems like you know these folks. Anything go. that Trump and Trump was against the United Nations. We're paying too much money. They're not doing anything. Trump was, hey, we have to get NATO to pay up, or we're going to pull out of it. You know, those are all those are all, all right. you know ideas that put forth by Trump, which some people still uh, you know put out there. We got to go. Thank Fair you enough. so Thank much, you, Eric. Eric. Really appreciate. Take care, it. buddy. Uh, some of the texts, real quick, before we get all right. down. The UN putting all those flowery things they're supposedly doing on their website is sort of like the cap clap trap we're going to hear from <laughs> Biden at the State of the Union tonight. All right. And then Fred Keller only worked for Republicans. He didn't care about Democrats, signed Bob. And Mark, you're not listening. Why did the UN do nothing for months about Russia? They issued strongly worded emails and not much more. Now we could be in trouble? Oh, probably on the brink of, <laughs> World, the brink War of III. World War III. And yeah, the UN's right. not helping. All right, Dale, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. I just want to say going in tonight, everybody has to remember acceptance and tolerance because it's going to be a tough one. I'm not going to watch it, but it's sick. I can't believe it. it probably took four months to record this. Record it? It's live. It's oh, live. Yeah, I'm sure they ain't going to let this guy go freewheeling. <laughs> it'll be well, a, I agree with you there. It'll be a hologram of the president. Yeah, but I mean, I just want to tell everybody something tolerant. If you keep picking up that uh, smart technology, social media, and watching news, you're going to lose that. Remember, you're giving that. Uh, if you wear a mask watching the show tonight, you probably lost it already. <laughs> at your, you mean it, at your house if you're wearing a mask at your home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're wearing a mask and you're watching it, you, know, you probably lost your ass. It's already too late. <laughs> it's still too late. All right, we got All you. Right. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, like Fred Keller. Fred a free thinker. I like him. You like Fred? But, you you know, like him, sure. Yeah, Fred wasn't a lawyer. That's why he can't, he can't get no slush money or free media. That's the problem. Can't get free meat? What free me media. Oh, free media. Okay, I thought you said free meat. Yeah, you know, it's no like there. He's not part of the bar. So, you know, you know how that works, Joe. Slush puppy. Oh, I know. The bar association got all the meat. Yeah, you, gotta be a, you can't have, be a slush puppy without the bar, baby. Oh, that's you right. That. <laughs> slush puppy without the bar. You got to be. <laughs> On that note, he left us. <laughs> okay. I guess that's like a punchline. Slush right. puppy at the bar. Upper right-hand corner. Let's kill these humans. All right. Tom says, if the U.S. won't allow flights from Russia, how will our diplomats get home? Uh, they'll allow United States flights to leave Russia, and diplomats always have their own way. I mean, that's pretty much settled international law. Diplomats get to leave. Okay. What else? Uh, let's see here. The U.N. Oh, well, that's, we've read all those. So No, up here. Uh, very superficial protest in PA and other areas of the U.S. pertaining to Russian spirits. A very large percent of Russian vodka is not Russian. Most is distilled in the Baltic and European countries, and ownership is large multinational corporations not located in Russia. Russian oil has become blood oil. China will try to buy as much as possible in the near future. However, <laughs> could you stop putting things in my pants? However, the U.S. has made themselves look foolish in the international energy market. One, stopping or hamstringing present production and slowing future exploratory ventures. Energy independence is national security. Swift banking sanctions should create economic hurdles for Russia and their wealthy oligarchs, I guess was the word that we were looking for there. And agreed, Stan, the U.N. is worthless. 
All right, 1-800-795-9565. We're going to talk a little bit about the President's State of the Union Address. We talked about Congressman Keller. We talked about education with uh, Dr. Keegan. What's your view on these important topics? Call us now, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Welcome back. Welcome back. You're listening to On the Mark at WKOK Radio, 1-800-795-9565. That's our toll-free hotline number. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Text us at 70236, but be sure to include the keywords OTM it's in March. your... Oh, it's March. I forgot. And uh, be sure to address the strikingly handsome Mark Lawrence in your emails. Thank you. You're All right, that go. takes care of the month. <laughs> rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> All right, two new texts. All right, uh, Eric, Stan again, your Trump hatred is showing. I would have liked to have had the USA out of the U.N. long before Trump. And then uh, again, laughing out loud, Eric, this is Stan. Yeah, they're supposed to prevent World War III, and right now they're failing. Eric, those little nations that the U.N. sent troops to have N. 150 characters. <laughs> we ran out. Take it to the letter N, Stan, and tell us the rest about that. All right. uh, look, tonight we have the president's State of the Union message, and I think he would. Uh, I there was a fascinating article yesterday in uh, the Public Opinion. I think it was from um, oh, a daily item, rather, uh, on the cusp of Biden's State of the Union: a state of disunity, frustration, and fatigue. There was an article written by Calvin Woodward and Zeke Miller of the Associated Press, and it starts off in good times or bad. American presidents come to Congress with a diagnosis that hardly differs over the decades. In their State of the Union speeches, they declare the state of our union is strong, or words very much like it. <laughs> President Joe Biden's fellow Americans, though, have other ideas about the state they're in, and little hope his State of the Union address Tuesday night can turn things around. America's strength is being sharply tested from within and now from afar, as fate overnight made Biden a wartime president in someone else's conflict, leading the West's response to a Russian invasion of of the Ukraine that makes all the other problems worse. The state of our union is disunity and division. It's a state of exhaustion from the pandemic. It's about feeling gouged at the grocery store and gas pump. It's so low that some Americans, including prominent ones, are, are exalting Russian President Vladimir Putin in his attack on democracy. Measures of happiness have hit a bottom, with fewer Americans saying they are very happy in the 2021 General Societal Survey than ever before in five decades of asking them. That's what a grand funk looks like. Yeah, you can't have 7% inflation and get reelected. Nobody's going to be able to do that anywhere. Well, right. I mean, I, I think if he gives a frank assessment of our State of the Union... Right, and says the word inflation. Let's hear if he utters that word. Because, I don't think he will. Uh, but he should. He should. Look, I feel you pain. Now, I may not know the price of milk or bread, but I know that it's costing everybody a lot more, and 7% is the least amount of some things that went up last month. Some things went up more. But he, he can call attention to a few things that aren't going terribly. You know, he can say that we have enough of those COVID tests, and we, we are putting COVID... Did you read the story that half of those tests have gone unclaimed? Well, isn't that normal? No. They, they were free. All you had to do was ask for right, them. But when the pandemic is over, why is that unusual? I did not read this story. Uh, I just saw that, uh, I think, yesterday but, in the uh, media. But isn't that normal? 
I mean, half of our bullets are unfired, half of our gasoline is unspent, half you know, half of everything we well, own Well, I mean, is we spent a lot of money. I, I would think we would have made some effort to ascertain the exact need before we bought billions and billions that are going to sit in a warehouse somewhere and collect dust. And how many future waves are we going to have, in your view? Look, putting all that aside, I think President yeah. Biden... Like in a sur- well, let me tell you the survey... you don't know. Okay, well, let's I, get I, that over It has nothing with. to do with that. But the survey shows that 65% of the American people in a survey released, I think, this morning or yesterday, do not think President Biden is a strong leader. And I agree with that. He right, is not a, a strong leader. That's a genuine issue. I'm not uh, diminishing that at all. He can call attention to the fact that we have enough tests, you know, including what half of them are in stock and ready to go. I think it can call attention to the. It appears as though we may have, you know, certainly the last, the latest wave of pandemic behind us. He can talk about up to now, Wall Street was going okay. Now it's, you know, up to wave, now, right? Right. <laughs> wavering a little bit now, but... Um, but wouldn't he be... Wouldn't he can talk about some stronger? programs that would help people. Okay, but he still believes that inflation is going to be cured by spending trillions more on his Build Back Better <laughs> well, plan not get that, that nobody else agrees with. He's not going to get that opportunity. But he could announce some other... Pro- you know, he could pull out something that's important well, that everybody can agree you on. You don't spend your way out of inflation. That's like saying we're going to get... If a drowning man needs more water. <laughs> you won't hear Build Back Better or... Um, well, I, bet we, I bet we will. You think he'll mention that? He's going to talk about in oh, parts. Th- those nasty Republicans and a couple of Democrats wouldn't let Build Back Better go through to further burden. You know, the only children. the only success he can point to is the bipartisan infrastructure bill, and that's not really. I mean, have you seen any results from that so far? All the money that was being spent. Have you heard any big plans being announced? Any great pro- projects that are going to be uh, built or done as a result of that funding? Well, I haven't specifically followed it, but we know that there are. So actual you don't projects. know. You just don't know. Admit it, Mark. You don't know. That's what I just said. <laughs> I, don't I know, know, but I wanted to rub that in. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good one. Do you? No, I know of no plans okay, to build there, anything. There I've heard go. of nothing. All right. Good morning. Uh, let's see, Steve. We are talking about what we don't know. And one thing Joe taught me 30 years ago was you got to know what you don't know. Right. What do you know, sir? Well, what I know is there's uh, some gross local incompetency going on around this area. And I'll give you two specific examples. I received my real estate tax bill in the mail yesterday, and it has a 28.6% increase from last year. After looking at the various line items, you know, county general, county debt, etc., the only item that actually increased was something called hydrant, and that went from twelve dollars and thirteen cents to two hundred dollars and eighteen cents. What? What was it again? Hydrant. Like, as in fire hydrants? I assume that's what it is. But the only thing it says on the statement is hydrant. Well, I called my local tax collector. I live in uh, Delaware Township, and her voice message said that. She was going to send out corrected statements. She didn't say anything about hydrant being wrong or anything like that. And I, you know, wanted to leave me. A, uh, she wanted me to leave her a voice message. I thought, well, I'm going to get to the bottom of this right away. So I called the county assessor, the North Lamborghini County Assessor, and they did acknowledge that that was, you know, probably the problem that was going to cause the corrections. So. So anyhow, first of all, I just want to let everybody know in Delaware Township, do not pay your taxes for at least 
two weeks because you're going to get a new statement that'll be a lot less than what you received in the mail yesterday or you're going to get today. What's going to happen to people who don't hear all that and pay their bills? Right. That's the reason I'm calling in. I'm hoping you guys can, whatever, stir things up. <laughs> Let the public know that they, you know somebody's out there, you know, doing some really bad stuff. Well, the... Um... <laughs> yeah. And then it, the other one, like I said, local incompetency is my general category <laughs> for 50 years. I'll take local I've incompetency bank, for $200. This is the first time in my life where I've actually had to go to my local branch at Susquehanna Community Bank and ask them to print out a 1099 INT for, you know, 2021. Never in my life have I actually, you know, had to do that. They, they said they could get it in the mail because they're short on staffing or something. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, you know what? What if you aren't they required bank, by law? Had, aren't they? Aren't they count at that bank? But you lived in California, you know. You're aren't they? Re- to... Aren't they required by federal law to have those that information in taxpayers' hands by a certain date? I assume they are, yeah. I've never heard of a financial institution being able to say, you know, well, we're not going to send you anything in the mail. You have to come to the, you know, brokerage office or the bank office to, to get your statement printed out. <laughs> so, well, we'll tell the news department. They'll get on this. So I, I don't know what's going on. If people are just getting stupid, or uh, 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 another one that comes to mind is the whole country covered thing where, you know, they get tons and tons of people going there all the time, yet they're shutting it down because apparently they can't get enough people to work there for the wages they're willing to pay. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, something really weird going on. I I guess it's probably throughout the whole country, but definitely in this area. Well, Noble's Grove Grove is another example where they can't get enough people to work there to run the ride. Yeah, we got a worker shortage, in case you haven't heard, so... Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks for calling okay. in. Good luck. Okay. Right. Good luck with your okay, tax bye. bill, Steve. <laughs> I want to tell you how things are supposed to work. We called Washington, D.C. today to seek comment from uh, our U.S. congressman, and guess what? I've Hi, Mr. Lawrence. My name is Brian. I'm calling from the office of Congressman Thompson. Oops. Wrong congressman. Never mind. Congressman Thompson. So I thought Thompson, it was Thompson, Thompson got Keller's back to office. You. Okay. Congressman Thompson. Well, that illustrates your point. Congressman Thompson's <laughs> office got back <laughs> okay. to you. Call so. back. Yeah, that, that's the way things are supposed to go. Yeah, right. All right. Let's take a quickie break. When we come back, we're talking about the State of the Union. Uh, one of our good callers just talked about the Delaware Township topic where uh, bills had a hydrant fee and shouldn't and some other unanswered questions there. We had uh, Kathy Keegan here from the Milton School District talking about some educational topics. One of our good listeners says the U.N. has done nothing and uh, should be dismantled or disbarred you know, or unfund, defunded. State of the Union address is what well, we're talking about there's right another now. thing. Congressman Thompson's office, um, I don't know whether you remember this, it was a few years ago uh, when uh, Congressman, um, when we were working on the Susquehanna Valley Thruway trying to get on the uh, Appalachian Highway Development System, uh, our congressman at the time, Chris Carney, managed to get miles taken out of Glenn Thompson's district and put in our district, his district then, so that we could get funding for the Susquehanna Valley Thruway. Congressman Thompson was not happy. So I don't know how he feels about this project today, or even if he's aware of it, but he's going to be our congressman. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and he's apparently willing to talk to us. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work. All right. To be continued. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Moving on. Uh, State of the Union address. The president will be able to say that COVID's going satisfactorily. Inflation is uh, rampant. Wall Street's wavering now. It was doing okay. If he is to be perceived as a strong leader, I think he needs to take on the obvious problems we have directly and talk about realistic solutions. If he doesn't talk about increasing domestic oil production, for national security, then there's something wrong with the man. Well, yeah, you and I sat down and through a process of discernment and uh, elimination came up with two or three things that he can do about uh, gas prices, you know, the Keystone XL pipeline. I don't wish that he would do this, but he can change that. He can allow more drilling in the U.S. if he wishes to make us more energy independent. And we have to cut off the Russian oil and, you know, and just take our lumps where And we have all this natural gas underground that we could sell to our allies. But he, he won't do that. So he, he can impact that. And he can also impact inflation. You know, we identified yeah, some could. things that he can do about inflation. Of course, gasoline prices but is a key component. What of will that. he do? He will bow to the far left of his party. You think? He will push for more spending instead of, <laughs> you know, trying to strengthen our national security. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it he will push for more borrowing from our great-grandchildren. Right. Okay. That's exactly what I think he'll do. He has doubled down on everything that, that he's come up with, and yet... He, when, the one commitment he made that he was going to be a unifier, he was going to work with the other side of the aisle, he was going to get all well, this stuff but, done. I, I'm not defending Joe Biden, but I'm just saying if you can't talk to each other, if you're not speaking to the other side, you're not going to be a unifier. I think he spoke to them until they cut him off or, or you know, he cut them off, whatever it is. I, I think he's tried to be a unifier as much as he could, but you have to, it takes two to tango, and if people well, just fold true. their the arms Republicans say, can't. the Republicans can't walk away from the president when he wants to talk about what he... But I don't know of any instance where the Republicans refuse to meet him or to discuss something with him. Do you? Mm, I, I, I think people have talked about things that they won't, you know, meetings they won't attend or things like that. I, I'm, I, I don't follow it on a If the president of the United States basis. wants to see you, you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or if you he asks you to serve in the cabinet, generally people do, you I know, mean, even if, if they don't want to. Even if I were the, a bitter partisan and the Republic and the Democratic president came to me and said, I need to talk to you about maybe getting something done here, I would go to the meeting. Mm-hmm. And I would hope and the Republicans have an obligation not just to try and deny him a victory, but to try and find solutions that they can work together on to make the country better. If that's not what we put them there to do, then why are they there at all? But don't you think they're 
main goal is really isn't good government or good well, conversation. Getting reelected. Yeah, you're 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 fabulous at coming up with the the right <laughs> things that people should say. You know, I mean, you often do that, and that's a great thing. You know, what President Trump should have said was, look, sometimes I exaggerate, but my policies are sound. These are Republican ideals that we're living up to. Government actually got 1% smaller under my watch. Or think, you know, this is what Trump should say, you would say. But, you know, the reality is... They Not what he said. People don't. Said my <laughs> Maybe I learned this when I was a teenager. People don't behave like they're I wish. liars. They're cheaters, and <laughs> no, they people don't behave the way me. I want them to. You know. Well, I'm sorry. People have a right to be there, be themselves. And the way I think th- things is, that's not the way it is for people. All right, Tom. Thank you so much for calling in. You are on the mark. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, I guess first, uh, uh, given Eric's comments, again, if you study the UN in the last 30 years, the corruption there uh, has has gone way out of line. Uh, look back when Condi Rice and Dickie Haley were there and how they had to go in and criticize them uh, for their policies. I mean, as much as putting Iran on the human rights board, uh, it's just a joke. Uh, but an even greater factor, again, if President Biden does not you know, re- go back to the Trump policies of, of uh, getting our energy resources up to par uh, so that we can control the world uh, more and help help in that regard. Uh, we're going to be in trouble. A year ago, I called. I was pretty certain within six months we'd have a war, and I commented about that. I thought it was going to be Korea, but here it is, Russia. Uh, and you have, you have Kerry out there, the climate czar, uh, complaining about pollutants in the air from this war instead of blood on the ground. Uh, the concerns are so bass backwards. It's 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 preposterous. And uh, I just hope uh, somebody, you know, either gets gets to Biden to change his ways. Uh, but I don't, I doubt it. Uh, or to Putin uh, to stop him. And uh, that will only be as probably his own people to do so. Well, yeah, as I said yesterday, I was surprised to hear somebody on one of the TV shows suggesting that instead of looking Putin in the eyes, we ought to shut his eyes permanently. But, you know, I don't know that I want to condone murder or something like that. But What is John Kerry's job in the administration when it comes the, to... He's uh, a climate czar. Climate czar. Right. So what is it you'd expect it, him to talk about? Human misery. <laughs> I think well, isn't, isn't the rest of the administration the focused on that? on the ground, I'm not worried about smoke in the air. I mean, these are children, women, innocents. And uh, his only comment is, you know, look at me, you know, I, I don't care. He works for this country. That's and, the uh, only thing he's said in the past week, one sentence, his only comment? Everything was with regard to that. Now, he's had a whole series of remarks lately. To recap them real quickly, Tom. I, 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 can't I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just say, I don't know. That's fine. Uninformed <laughs> criticism. We love it. We'll be back for more tomorrow. <laughs> oh, brother. This is WKOK Sunbury.